This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. We greet you here in the dry heat and, 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 and palpitations of High Wycombe here. Today second... it's livable again. <laughs> oh, just about. There's a breeze. So uh, they, keep th- they keep threatening us or promising us thunderstorms, but they keep going away again. Yeah, I blame tourism. Oh, uh, well, we are here in the second summer of the pandemic and aware, uh, as we are, of the impending collapse of civilization uh, when we will all have to retreat into our little holes and never come out of them. It's all we fine. Thought we'd... It's, it's all, all fine. fine. It's all... It'll be fine. It'll be fine. The country is in the very best of hands. Uh, and uh, and uh, as I say, as we're all going to have retired to our little holes and uh, play role-playing games, we thought this month we would take a look at the basic skills of the person who has to be there, of what the GM has to know and uh, how he has to handle things. But first... Well, I'd like to thank uh, Brian Parker and Glenn Lewis, both of whom sent us money to encourage us to keep doing this. We are encouraged. We're keeping doing it. Yes. If, if you would like to join this august company, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw and send me a message as well, because they don't always let me know when that's happened. So, very shortly, we will be going on into uh, cool GMing skills. But before any of that, the bundle of holding uh, is continuing to happen, and there's some interesting stuff on there this time. We should probably mention at this point that they send us the notification and access to it, um, and we talk about it when we think there's something interesting. Yeah, so one of them is Fragged. Um, This started off as Fragged Empire, and that's the one I've mostly looked at. And this looked on the face of it like, gosh, yes, it's a Kickstarter RPG. It's got lots of pretty art. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just as there is a, a standard Kickstarter board game. Um, yeah, there is. But uh, Frag Empire in particular looks quite interesting. Uh, they call it post-post-apocalyptic SF. So it's not about the collapse or the immediate aftermath of the collapse. It's about it's 100 years later and you're starting to rebuild and look away from your immediate survival and decide what yeah. sort of culture you want to live in, that kind of thing. Uh, which, the, is, uh, which is more interesting and, and less depressing, yeah. Yeah, and there, there's uh, cultural tension, there's exploration. It actually reminds me a lot of the, the elements I liked but never actually got to play with Traveller New Era. Uh, mm. it, it doesn't have the baggage of, we took the old setting you liked and broke it. Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't. It also doesn't have the familiarity of you know what the old setting used to be like. Yeah. Well, what sort of world is it that they're trying to rebuild from? Too. Uh, there, there, there's a lot. Basically, humanity is gone. Um, oh, good riddance. The the things the humanity built to replace it. This may not have been deliberate. Are also mostly gone. But the things they built are, are mostly still alive. So basically, what you've got is a lot of very heavy genetic engineering. Yeah. Um, one of the factions in, in the war a hundred years ago was unambiguous about this and was happy to make monsters if they were better soldiers. Uh, the other one was a bit more restrained. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunate that 
the example adventures mostly seem to consist of things to fight. And well, there's, there's, they, yeah, know there's, what, they know what people like. There's quite a com- complex combat system. There's a lot of emphasis on combat as the way of solving problems. That doesn't really interest me, but you know, mechanically I'm not looking for a new system anyway. It did occur to me, it really wouldn't take a lot of work to weld this onto um, Modern Age that we talked about mm. a few months back when that was in the bundle. Uh, it's a 3D6 system. The difficulty scale is basically the same. Uh, skills as in modern mm. age are typically give you a plus one or a plus two. Yeah, it's it's really very directly stealable, and frankly, I'd be more inclined to run this under modern age. This wouldn't be hard. One mechanical thing I did like uh, the what it calls the spare time roll or the spare time points. Mm. This is it, it's a sort of semi abstracted wealth, but also a downtime thing. So if you have five spare time points at the end of the mm. adventure, you could use that to go shopping. And this reflects not only um, what you spend, but how much time you have to spend bargaining and getting a better deal and so on. Uh, uh, or you can spend it on, if, if you're a techie, you, you could build a thing mm-hmm. using those same spare time points. What are you using them for in-game? Uh, you're, you're getting them as rewards in-game for the most part. All right, gotcha. Um, and presumably also spare time also allows you to go out and, and train and become better and other stuff like that. I would think so. I haven't I haven't seen uh, a lot on improvement yet, but I, I've only had a fairly quick look at this. Uh, this is two off- two separate offers. Um, the first one revived from a couple of years ago. Uh, the second one, well, between the two, you've got uh, Fragged Kingdom, which is yeah. post post apocalyptic fantasy. Uh, you've got Fragged Seas, which is fantasy pirates. Uh-huh. You've got Eternum, which is a huge fantasy city. As in, nobody actually knows how, just how far yeah. it goes. You're sounding unconvinced. I'm, I'm sound. I'm thinking Nexus, the Infinite City, uh, and uh, and dozens of other of other things. Though possibly not as flavourful as Nexus, the Infinite City. Well, here's, um, here's one that's actually in print or modern equivalent. All right, all right. Don't no need to be sarcastic. Uh, and the lo- the last one is fragged diesel punk mecha, and uh, you can probably guess what that's about. Yeah, and I think I, I can manage to, to avoid it. Yeah, on the other hand, it, it's all, all of these things, they have gorgeous cartography. I, I don't know the designer, um, but maps are clearly a strong point. Yeah. Um, th- this isn't just the lazy, okay, we'll stick diesel punk mecha in the First World War. This is, we will have sort of related political situations, but we'll we'll actually build a world in which they make some sort of sense. Uh, obviously, this goes against Ken Height's rule of always set it in the real world, but on the other hand, Diesel Punk Mecca. Mm. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm going to run this immediately. I'm, I, I may well steal things from it at some point. Um, if this is the sort of thing that appeals to you, it might well be worth a look. And that this offer expires on the 2nd of August, which will be the day after we release this. Okay. Going on for a week after that is Fate Worlds, which is both a revival and new new stuff. Um, World Fate has turned up in the bundle of holding before now, and mm. it has been. Uh, and I have talked before about how my attraction to it and my ambiguousness uh, with its very um, low granularity system and its expectation of constant 
recreation and rewriting of the uh, of the background as a cooperative thing with the players. Um, it may be uh, in that last regard that uh, it's just a bad fit with my rather old and set in their ways players mm. and me as well. The the thing that I always find break, breaks my understanding of the game is when I'm asked to step out of character and say what what would be a thing that you know that, that the author the screenwriter would like to happen to this character at this point as opposed to what the character would like to happen yeah um i, I it is it is a strain but uh, here is a very good offer of all of fate it includes all the toolkits the uh horror toolkit the enemies toolkit the things which allow you to expand uh, the basic the core system of uh, of fate into uh, um, particular settings and particular uh, applications. Also, the, is... the first full release of the accessibility toolkit, which has been in um, part written form for a while, but they have finally been able to finish it. Okay. Um, and there is 40 odd um, mini settings for it. No more than uh, five pages each, I'd say, but with definitions of worlds and issues and core ideas. There is also um, Fate of Cthulhu, which is a big thing, um, which is sort of Quantum Leap meets the world of Cthulhu. In the far future, the t stars have become right, and it's your uh, dread duty to go back in time, possess somebody, and, and prevent uh, the uh, Riley or whoever from rising. Yeah, if you were thinking, I like... Uh, Lovecraft's mythos, and I like Fate, and I wish there were a Lovecraft mythos game in Fate. Well, it is, but it's not. It's not a drop in the way Trail of Cthulhu is. It, it, mm. It's not just you know here is your standard nineteen twenties nineteen thirties investigation. But yeah. You, you know, I think you could do that in it with a bit of uh, hacking. And there's uh, there, there's Tachyon Squadron, which I'm not quite sure what it is, but it, it appears <laughs> to have had five uh, five science, supplements for it. Science fiction adventure, sir. Oh, that's uh, and Kaiju Incorporated, which I have a horrible feeling I know exactly what it is. <laughs> um, Shadow of the Century is a dark modern equivalent of end bookend, I think, or at the end of the twentieth century, of the bright and optimistic um, spirit of the se uh, century pulp um, adventures. And Young Centurions is a young superhero game. Oh, and I, I underestimated. I forgot that the Fate Worlds, uh, both volumes of that, are available as part of this. So on the whole, uh, if you want to get into Fate, or if you want something you can take and hack about a bit and use for inspiration for things that you want to uh, go, go and do, maybe as a one-off, uh, maybe as a long-term game, then there is a ton and a half of material here all of it um all of it specialized into creating a mutually agreed setting between you and the uh, and the between the gm and the players i say you because that's my assumption hey. and it and it's running until um until the 9th of august and uh, I, I i i within the the limits of i haven't been able to make this work but I do look at it and I keep coming back to it, <laughs> like I do to a lot of systems. 
this is very much well worth your while having. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not a system I particularly like, but a lot of the writing for it and some of the, and the game design and so on is is, is very good indeed. I'm, I will certainly steal some of these worlds and uh, world creation tips and things of that sort, even if I don't run Fate itself. Yeah. So uh, as, as state of the art sort of stuff, and all in one place, um, and uh, and very much available. So we, I'm going to encourage you to go and have a look at that. Onto onto the onto the next non-commercially sponsored thing. In response, I think, to a careless remark we may have dropped on the um, podcast. There has been some discussion on the um, discussion groups uh, at kelly.lee about what comprises the basic skills of the GM. And I thought we'd come back to this and see if we can, by taxonomy and example and just thrashing things out, come up with any useful ideas for other people to do the hard work with. I see. I'm. I'm going to say. I'm going to propose a, a scheme of my own, a scheme of taxonomy, which um, has five time categories. I think I'm right. Five time categories <laughs> and four broad groups of skills, and then we can talk about what else there is and what you can fit in. Okay, I, I have some things which I didn't fit in the earlier version of this, but let's see how they go into yours. Okay, time wise. There are the things you do before you even start preparation for gaming. There are the things that you do before and leading up to the start of each campaign. There are things you do um, at the start of each session. There are the things you do at the table. And there are the things you do after the uh, the session is over, and sometimes after the campaign is over, aftercare. I think that's uh, logically how how, the, how things break down. You could probably include your entire life up to the point at which you start gaming in the first category, because everything is um, grist to the mill. Well, yeah, one of the things I'm going to say here is, what is the purpose of this? What what what? What do we want as an end result? And and yeah. I, I hope the answer will be practical recommendations for things that people can do. Okay, I was going to say that one of the results that I wanted to see was uh, being able to point people at other disciplines, other things they can look at and use in their campaigns. But it's going to be very vague. I, I bitched before about... Um, the fact that the, uh, the Greek classical Greek philosophers talked about skills a lot, but never <laughs> had a clear idea what the hell they were talking about, what what constituted a skill. I'm reminded of the uh, experience a friend of mine had. He uh, was working on the uh, ba- rather badly named Holmes, the, the large police database system. Yeah, That's and Sherlock. One of Sherlock. one of the things they were they were trying to do with this was ha- find a way of coding up a description of a crime or other event. 
in in such yeah. a way that you know you you could you could express this in a relatively language neutral way, so that if you were, for example, searching for other crimes with the same mo, you wouldn't have to rely on somebody using the exact same phrase. That that was the grand scheme. So, for example, they they, they coded up yeah. things like Scottish accent and Irish accent mapped to the same thing because a lot of people will mistake one for the other, and particularly in the situation of stress. True. So so far so simple. Except that they they gradually realised we we need to code up anything that might be relevant to criminal behaviour. We basically need to code up everything. Uh huh. And I I think the similar there is a similar situation here. I I the the number of bits of obscure knowledge I've had that have turned out to be relevant to the game causes me to think that what you basically need to know is everything, everything yeah, about the game world and everything about the real world. Yeah, um, I think I think that's a, a, a chimera because a, a pure a, a pure illusion. Because um, in point of fact, when you get to the table, you will find out that your players know more about everything than you do, and will tell you about it. Though some, uh, some, right. some of this can be offloaded, though. Um, mm. I've said I think several times that others I've got a lot of use out of the Millennium's and GM's Companion book because it had a whole bunch of modern floor plans. Yeah. Um, more recently, I've, be, I've been building up a scaled map library. So if the party says we want to break into this guy's house or we're going to have a fight on this 747, I can Im- immediately look at the plan and, if necessary, grid it up for the players to look at. Whereas I tend to find myself something neat and shiny and say, I'll stick that into the game. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that can, that can work too. All right, I was going to also categorise skills by four groups. There is system mastery. There is campaign mastery. There is player wrangling, and there is table wrangling. The first is knowing and f- finding, and then knowing a system that fits well to your needs and to your psychological capabilities. And I'm not as good at this as I should be. And I don't take as good care as I should be able to say, no, no, on page 196 it says this. Well, there are, there are two separate bits to this, aren't there? There's choosing mm. the system, uh, and there is knowing the system. I mean, obviously, these are happening at slightly different times, but you have to know it a bit to be able to say it's going to be a good fit for this game I have in mind. Yeah, and you don't, but you don't actually start knowing it until you start buckling down, learning it, and applying it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's or this is always uh, painting the, uh, the 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 what bridge? Fourth is traditional. Fourth uh, painting the fourth bridge, not the Tay Bridge. The Tay Bridge fell down. That that that's another matter. <laughs> Put it in the show notes. Therefore, it doesn't need it, to be painted anymore. <laughs> yes, yes, great a great saving. All right, and uh, but but yeah, you you've got to, and there's also a certain degree of finding the right system. Not just for you, but for the particular occasion. You can't, Roger, I'm going to shock you here, you can't run everything in GURPS all the time. I have been saying just that for a, a, a little while recently. I mean, there are other systems I'd choose for other things. Um, sometimes that's Genesis, sometimes that's Modern Age. Yeah, I'm, I'm running Call of Cthulhu at the moment. I have sometimes myself... Uh, jumped into things um, our feet first because 
this is my current enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, I would say that it may be part of the swings and, uh, swings and roundabouts of my, uh, uh, my, per- my personal uh, mental equilibrium. Whether I'm doing that or I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't run anything. <laughs> oh, God, no, no, I can't face the world. I, I still manage to do it twice a week. I still manage to run a game twice a week. But, all right, that there are, this is, it's a prerequisite and it's what something you mostly do before you, before any, any actual gaming starts. And in, the second is campaign mastery. It is set up and um, creation both beforehand and at the table. It is knowing how everything fits together in a particular world. It, it, the style of the thing, the uh, the logic of the thing, it's the writer's bit of being a GM. And 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 it's also it's also knowing when to grab hold of the ideas the players have just come up with and running with it like nobody's business. Yeah. Also, if if you're not writing for publication, it's a certain amount of knowing the sort of things that you that the likely players are likely to be interested in. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, if, if you are writing for publication, knowing knowing what uh, groups that play this game are likely to be interested in, or so, somewhere in between, the thing I've done quite a few times is uh, writing uh, games for conventions, one shots mm-hmm. for that. Where I, I want to drag in the players and show off the system and give them a fun time, and and the 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 convention game you write for yourself purely, and the conventional game you write for other people, are slightly different and have to be uh, campaign uh, preparation and and management and handling the handling the the huge amount of data that you're going to be generating. From just doing this week after week, or even uh, uh, just just the once, is is part of the of the of the of being on top of the campaign. I know we we talk about and rightly, and we give time to the players to make their contribution. But you're the fellow who set this up. Uh, the GM still has. A traditional role of uh, handling this sort of thing, especially for the players who really don't want to be anywhere near that level of responsibility. Yeah, th- this will vary a bit uh, depending on the game. I mean, we, we we don't tend to play the more indie games that are explicitly collaborative, but that's a, that's a thing to bear in mind. Hmm. Uh, my, well, my experience of them is generally there is one guy who had the idea for the game and say, let's let's do this thing, and then the then the players throw more stuff in, but. That's still worth considering, I think. Yeah, the uh, the third section is player uh, wrangling, and this is handling and knowing the players as individuals, knowing their strengths, knowing their weaknesses, knowing the things they can do and can't do, and the things they will do and that they won't do. Uh, for, um, for, for knowing substitute, being able to read quickly again in yeah. a convention setting. Yeah, the, or if you uh, just don't know everything about your players for some reason. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. You, lots of people do not do not play with the same people year in year out. Um, I, I'm impressed that you haven't all murdered each other. Yeah. Well, at the moment we can't because we're not in the same room. <laughs> and there was only one actual serious case of assault, and it was at another table on the Wednesday night uh, <laughs> club. And I and I had to had to explain to the fellow that he wasn't. 
welcome any longer, uh, be this as it may. There, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Bill Stoddard uh, responded to the... Uh, uh, to the... Uh, to the thread on Tekeli.ly and he talked a lot about the issue of acquiring players because for him um, each each game is going to be a different set of people with a different set of sensibilities and to him um, that's a regular part of his gaming whereas for you or me it happens once in a blue moon well again that's um for the convention game, I don't know who the players are, and I'm writing the game, so so I rewrite it once I do know who they are. Yeah, every run of one of my convention adventures is different because every run is these mm. players were interested in that aspect of it, so that's the that's the aspect I play up. Yeah, um, but it's also knowing who will irritate who if you have that lot sort of long term and uh, thing and heading off any trouble and providing the opportunity to do the sort of things each player likes doing. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, each player wants to do the thing they think they're cool at. And, um, and this is not a constant, of course. I mean, yeah, all right. We, we, I mean, we've heard, of, we've talked a little while about the player types, the player who always likes to play the same thing. I, I don't find this very common. Um, but most players would like to have a thing that their particular character is good at in this game. And, and, yeah, and if on. they do, they'd like an opportunity to do it. Yeah, that, but there's a distinction between what the character is good at and what the player is good at. And if a player is good at sarcasm and um, uh, and flip remarks, then they want a character who will embody <laughs> their ability. And if the player is good at worrying, he, want, he will find a cause to worry. And if a player is good at asking awkward questions, they want to be able to do that. All three of those things I regard as intrinsic uh, consequences of being British, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Some people are, are more um, are, are more exaggerated um, and one tonal, and and if there are players who have things they just aren't good at doing, then you probably want to arrange things so that they don't find themselves having to do it too often. Yeah, uh, th this is the player types thing. Um, what I, I find the description of the casual gamer quite insulting, but if somebody wants to sit back and talk occasionally and not be the foreground, it is not the GM's job to make them be the foreground. It, it, give them the opportunity, but if they say no and back away, you don't, you don't want to push them. That's my feeling, at least. Yeah, I, uh, I, I find I have to remind myself to give everybody a chance to come forward and do something. And so, and I, I I shame it is to me to say it. I do have a tendency to play favourites if somebody is going to push themselves forward and give me the sort of things that, as a GM, I rather like hearing from my players. Yeah, and some players are just louder than others. But some players engage more with the setting, engage more with the campaign, come up with interesting ideas. Yeah, I, I, I will give those guys more time because yeah. they're more interesting. Yeah, but on the other hand. They're coming around to my fourth category, table wrangling. That's handling the the, the entire meeting as a group, mm -hmm. and that is a slightly different skill from handling each individual player. Though they meld in, the two two skills meld into each other. There, there are no hard boundaries. This is biology. Yeah, 
Oh, you had to remind me that everything is squishy. Oh, yeah. Fr- frankly, your internal organs are disgusting. <sighs> Just try not to think about it. Yeah, well, well, mine tend to draw themselves to my attention. But we don't want to go into that sort of podcast. Let us leave it to one side. So this is this is a matter of timing and flow, mostly, of knowing how to how much time you've got, how much material you have to cover, and getting the flow going in the players' minds, getting the uh, getting the sequence of events, the enthusiasm going, the sense that yes, yes, we are getting somewhere, we can do this, we have a plan, even if it's going to turn out to be um, a little over optimistic. Hmm. And I, I'd and also I, say re- reading the mood well enough to say that sometimes a distraction is, is the right thing for the group, even if it doesn't get the game moved forward. Yeah, sometimes they need um, something amusing. And sometimes you do too. And and they need... And sometimes they're going to go where they're going to go and you're just going to have to uh, let, let them go in that direction and start building up your plan to get it back to the things you have prepared. Um, as as you as you as you do so, yeah. So those are my categories. I'm uh, below that. I think you come to indiv- what are actually individual skills or other techniques that you can use. We got into a mess on the um, on the on the uh, discussion group because somebody brought up the dread word storytelling. Which has a particular um, artistic stroke critical meaning. Well, more to the point, it has several. It has meanings. a dozen. Yeah, it has dozens of them. And there, there are there are some royal players who will insist that it only means one thing. And if you've met people like that, that can be a problem. Um, I I would, I think I would put this under under an overarching thing, which is make sure everybody is having fun. The GM is is included in everybody. Yes, and um, I suppose self wrangling is um, is a uh, is a thing, and and being able to bring your best self to the game is something that I have been le- less the, than great at sometimes, um, and I'm a, I'm aware I have let my own um, stuff outside the game get me down and get me into. Um, into a position where I really shouldn't be doing this scheduled thing. Once or twice, I've even cancelled. That that's but, interesting because I I would have thought um, from from your um, acting work, you, you, presumably you you have the principle of you may be feeling like rubbish, but you give a good performance. Yeah, you do your damnedest. You um, it is that, that's the way I try to think of it. I don't always succeed. Yeah, um, and, and some directors would tell you I didn't always succeed in my um, in my acting work either. But you you do you, you come to the moment and you give it what you've got at the moment. Mm. If uh, I, I've never been enough of a star to be able to say no, no, I'm feeling terrible. Can we reschedule this for tomorrow? Which I suspect suspect is a mercy. Eh. Uh, but but yeah, you've got to be able to wrangle yourself into into shape and know your own preparation requirements and and your own workflow requirements so that you are ready to be part of the fun and part of the entertainment 
uh, which is a, a large amount of dedication for something that so frivolous as uh, what the people on RPG Net call elf games. On the other hand, you are one of the players. You you are one of the people who should be having fun. So, so certainly, yeah. I, I'm willing to say no. I'm really not going to enjoy cranking this stuff out right now. Can we postpone or whatever? If, if necessary, I try not to, but but you know the, play, well, the players I, will understand if I say that. Yeah, um, I think everybody has to has to uh, curate their own. Uh, I can't do this tonight. Point. Uh, as, as for storytelling, I think the the way I try to do that, I I, I want to provide narrative hooks, hmm. which a player can then say, "Oh, that looks interesting. I think I'll pick it up." The <laughs> The the term high trust game has has come around a lot, and people seem to have very fuzzy definitions of it. As far as I'm concerned, the thing it means is basically the the anti John Wick. I want you to give me a lever that I could potentially use to screw over your character. You need to trust that I am going to use it to make your character more fun to play, not less. Yeah, um, I think I look at storytelling. I, I look at storytelling in what as what it originally meant and how I can apply it in the. In the game, it's not structuring a fiction. The um, you shouldn't. I think you shouldn't in 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 role playing games be looking more the further ahead than the the step after this. The 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 the, the, the scene that sets up uh, the point at which players start making decisions, and a few and the uh, and some possible scenes after after that. Is all you can really generate. When I say storytelling, I mean providing a narrative about the world. Um, I I want when I when I give players uh, information of, about the world, just just info dumps, then it's going to be in the form of written narrative from the world. It's going to be in, in the form of what people say about what their story is. Because everybody they interrogate is a character, and everything, everything that they get told about the world, whether it's by their patron or by the wrinkled old man in the bar, has to be filtered through a particular point of view, grounded in that in that world's um, reality, and, and that's what storytelling mean, means for me when I write. Um, fiction, which I don't do as much as I should. I I always start with trying to find the the, the voice that it's told in. Um, I, I I prefer writing from the first point of view, first person point of view, of one of the people in the world. Though I, I can do the the high toned authorial um, uh, uh, Dickensian storytelling as well. As far as I'm concerned, if I'm reading somebody else's published game notes, I really want the absolute view. I, I'd like the biased view as well, because I can give that to the players, but but I want, as GM, to know what what is the assumption you're making about the way things actually are. I, I, I found myself um, a bit disconcerted recently. I was recommended uh, one of the Olivia... Lithia? Lydia? Lithia.com's um, products about the um, about the world of Han and this one was a cultural guide to 
the uh, to the uh, continental to the half of the continent in which half Han is set. Mm-hmm. It was written from an objective point of view, from the point of view of not believing in the gods, of not giving much credit to whether the uh, the claims of the Arcanists are real. Um, and, and it talked in sociological and historical and tax uh, mani- management terms about what had been going on in the background, in the history, up to the point at which the game starts. Mm-hmm. And given that the uh, the original Harnik game material is all about from the point of view of people who believe in the gods and believe in magic and all that sort of thing, it was more than a little bit weird, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I grew up on the on the RuneQuest thing of all the subjectivities are real, to some extent and to some degree, and they interlink together in ways that mortals do not understand. <laughs> Think, thinking of a, a campaign that breaks at least some of these rules, the Great Pan Dragon campaign, um, the, the classic problem people have with it is, you know, I I can see this lots lot guy. Um, not being subtle about Guinevere. Can we not yeah. stop this? No, we can't. We all know how it ends. And you can say the challenges and how you get there, but that, this is definitely frustrating. Well, the, I, I, I've, always, I've always treated that um, as being um, a delicate situation which the players can make worse if they really want. <laughs> but... Um, the 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 that they can change the future and in trivial ways, uh, my players did tr- change the flow of history in the Pendragon campaigns, which I never finished. Uh, but they didn't do enough to prevent the doom of 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 of, of, of Arthur's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I I. I, I think you just have to say they never they never come across that 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 evidence. They never come across. They the, the most they're going to come across is, my word, Lancelot dedicated uh, dedicated uh, his joust to the Queen again. Yes, he always does that. He always does that. Pay no attention. It's perfectly harmless. Hmm. Thinking of, uh, I suppose in 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 your grid, this counts as system mastery at the table. Uh, two somewhat related things that come into this for me. One is the ability to, to, to work out how long you've got to find an answer and find an answer within that time without breaking the dice. Um, which may well, uh, either you know the rules inside out or you make up something plausible. But either way, you need, you need a quick answer. And I, I'm not perfect in this. If, if, if you listen to the uh, recent Watson Hall Stroboscope game where a relatively inexperienced GURPS GM was running it, and I, I was providing system support where needed. That was a surprising number of things about basic tactical combat in GURPS that I had forgotten. <laughs> yeah, don't look at the brawling rules. They're never so, consider simply the because brawling rules. Every time a slam happens, I have to look it up again, because I always forget how it works. Yeah. E- even though it's, it's not an uncommon thing, the basic, I'm, I'm going to shoulder charge him. Yeah. Um... But in any case, the ability ability to do that. And the other half is, this varies between games. I've listened to some Pathfinder sessions, for example, and it seems to me that one of the things that a Pathfinder player wants, or at least is expected to to want, Mm. is 
internalizing the system and thinking about things largely in terms of the choices the system offers you. Uh, they 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 want to say um, you know the the these uh, feats these attacks these whatevers. Um, and they're this is the gamist yeah. angle. You know, knowing knowing the rules better will will make you make your character more effective. On the other hand, I think very much in terms of a reality first, and yeah. so one of the things I do is I, I don't require that the players know the rules particularly, but I want them to think in terms of what their characters are doing. So so, and that that might be not necessarily real world knowledge, but an action film or something. Mm-hmm. But I. If if they say, you know, I, I really want to take this guy down. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm I'm determined to get him no matter what, even if he get, even if he shoots me. I can translate yeah. that into aha, all out attack. You're giving up your next defense in order to attack more effectively. Yeah, but as I think I said to you um, uh, on the on the uh, on on the on the on the discussion group, um, the players. Who don't know the system or don't understand gamist restrictions and and limitations are going to want all the advantages and none of the disadvantages of what they think they see the uh, cinematic hero doing on the screen. So if if that's what I'm presented with, I'll I'll, I'll start giving some idea of what the options are. What what, yeah. I, what I'm not going to say is you must remember these five classes of attack you you could potentially make. And, yeah, and no, I, I agree, uh, because the way that the players are going to come up with something fantastic and something appropriate and something inventive is not to be uh, games mastery. But on the other hand, a, a player who has a certain amount of um, knowledge and competency and understanding of the system is going to make your life a whole lot easier. <laughs> as 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 a GM, it's going to make it. It's going to help with flow. It's oh, going sure. to help with uh, with with getting on to the next person and making the whole scene knit together. As far as I'm concerned, a pl- unless a player is actively resistant to learning things, they they're going to pick up some game yeah. mechanics in the course of a campaign anyway, and that's fine. But, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, but but ideally, the person who sits down at a table. Not only never having played um, this game before, but never having played any game before, should have as good a time as somebody who's been mm. doing it for years. Yeah, um, and it, in, it's in, the GM's a, the job to wrangle that. Yeah, in, in a demo game, I would probably make this quite explicit. You know, they describe what they do, and I say, okay, so in the in the system, we have these options, and this is this one. Mm. Um, this is shading over to another thing. It seems to me that what a role-playing game GM should do these days, mm. given the competing hobbies out there, is the stuff that computer RPGs don't. Yes. Um, I mean, yes, you, you can go down a dungeon and have a fight, and that is fun, but you can get inventive. Uh, you, you can talk to the monsters. You, you can climb the walls rather than uh, yeah. charge straight ahead. You, you can... Ha- you can come up with stuff that essentially needs a human brain or at least a human mind uh to <laughs> to, to interpret yeah. i didn't i don't think we've quite got to the point at which ais can replace us yet well Sometimes i mean re- remember but... oh i mean back back to pool of radiance that that was recognizably 
D&D mechanics. Mm. And in, in effect, yeah, you, you were the player, you had a gym. What was the thing a few years ago? Began Robin Law's... Uh, forget. Anyway, it, th- this, this was definitely described as, right, you can get together with your friends and go down a dungeon that somebody else has designed and the computer will run the dungeon for you. Hmm. Which, it, I mean, yeah. it, it, it kept that promise, that's fine, but it's not as satisfying as being able to think of other things that, 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 that whoever wrote the rules engine didn't come up with. Yeah. I'm uh, going to... I, uh, Bill Stonard again came up with a long list of things, of individual actions that you have to be able to do. And some of them w- would fit into our categories. There's also, He also uh, talks about uh, keeping... about controlling players, about uh, restraining them from spoiling other people's funs, fun and um, kicking them out if they are going to be... Um, Continuing fun run, uh, fun spoilers, which are I've had to had use of some of the of the first thing, which makes me feel like I'm I'm drawing on my father's um, on my father's skill as a teacher and a headmaster. I can hear I can hear him. I'm not using his his full rant, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I can hear him sometimes in my in my own voice when I'm telling people, no, don't do that. Uh, and, but on the other hand, we tend to prefer a less um, managerial, dictatorial style in 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 in, in at the game table. Um, more middle management than CEO. I'm also thinking of the uh, a standard board gaming problem is known as the alpha player uh, in a in a cooperative mm. game. The the guy who Tells each other player, "Oh, what you ought to do now is this." Yeah, I, I have players like that, and and, and my uh, my feeling is that this is basically a, a a social problem, not a game problem. And yes, the GM should be aware of it and do something about it. But it, mm. it, it's it, I mean, it would be the same problem if 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 a player is is out to spoil other people's fun. They're yeah. they're not not a person who should be in that group at all. Never mind in the game. Yeah. Um... I, what is what is a table meeting like? Do you think? I mean, it's sort of like it's sort of like improvised theatre, which is why we call the the podcast that. It's sort of like a writer's room, and it's sort of like a uh, work meeting, only more fun. We hope. Mm. Um, I, I, I mean, I always hated all the all the meetings I had to attend at work. Um, there, there, was a bureaucrat. Depending on the groups, it, it, there, there are certainly times when it is essentially we, we are all sitting around and discussing what we're going to do next. Um, perhaps we're making skill rolls to get more information, but basically it's here. Here is this plan. Somebody else modifies it. Somebody yeah. else says that can't work because that. So we need to take out that big chunk of it. And is there anything left of it? And so on. I mean that that's that is basically a functioning yeah. meeting. Do you think there really are skills to that sort of thing? Oh yeah, because, managing uh, a meeting absolutely. Uh, you you can tell when that when somebody who doesn't have those when nobody who has those skills is present at a meeting because it because it takes more than five minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, where given that the the game discussions can actually be fun, then it, we can probably not get everything sorted in five minutes. But, mm-hmm. um, and it's done in character, which makes life more complicated. We sincerely hope. But uh, I, I've never been entirely convinced by the modern um, 
School of Management Studies. Uh, maybe because I've always been at the bottom. Oh, there, there, there are certainly skills to management. The, the mistake is assuming that the management skills are the only skills you need to be a manager. You do actually need to understand what you're managing as well. Mm. Which is why the more traditional approach was to promote somebody who knew the job. Yeah, until they reach the point at which they can ha- no longer handle the responsibility or the new skills required, and um, they either get promoted to a position of no power or retired on disability. Yeah. So what you need, what you need, is basically both skill sets. Yeah. But but nobody tries for that. Um, okay. Another thing, um, and. I'm, I'm not sure quite where this fits. I mean, I, su- I suppose campaign at the table. Yeah. Um, description. Yes. Ba- basic narration. Here is the situation. Now, what are you going to do? Um, not only, I mean, obviously, if you're running a pre-written adventure, you, you have text, but e- even then, players are going to ask questions about stuff that was in the text. Um, and I, I at least try to improvise a lot. I will try to say, you know, and there, and there are chandeliers, or and, and there are there are lava pits, or whatever. Or even if I, even if I don't say those explicitly, I, I want to give the players the idea of the sort of place this is, so that they can say, "Is there a chandelier I can swing from?" To which the answer is almost always yes, of course. I am aware, aware that this is a skill I'm not as good at as I should be, and I can tell because my players keep coming back and saying, "You didn't mention this," or "Isn't there a one of these?" and <laughs> Um, and uh, I say I did mention it. No, you didn't. And uh, and of course, oh, of course, yes, yes, there would be one of those. I suspect this is something that could um, that that could be trained up. That could. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I maybe police officers use this, um, or lawyers use this to get things into evidence and to extract from witnesses the the exact thing that happened well there, there are some basic observation exercises which uh, i i got as part of driving training i don't know if everybody does but it's things like t- take a look in in a situation and work out what you notice first mm. and then work out what you didn't notice in that first sweep and so on and well, then, we... then you have a hierarchy of how, how you might describe it Except that you're going off the um, mental image you've got in your own mind, unless you're so lucky to have good maps and decent illustrations, which you can just say, here, look, this is what it looks like. But but if you're creating something, then you're you're going into into a picture in your own mind, and that will flow and and change. There ought to be... um, it ought to be possible, except that I can't think of of anything that uses this exact same um, technique and discipline. Even writing something um, isn't doing isn't happening as fast as it's happening to a GM. Um, he is uh, a writer can go back and revise and revise and rewrite and ask people to take a look and think about it. The GM is facing. Why didn't you say this? Or isn't there a that there right at that moment? And I'm sure you could train this up. Maybe we should ask your friend Ashley um, about about a professional psychologist's point of view. The, also, uh, I, I think it ought to be possible to, to build a priority list. I haven't ever really tried to do this, but uh, moving things. 
If there is anything yeah. moving in the room, that is the thing that everybody is going to notice first. Then, yeah. dangerous things. Ob- obviously, viscerally dangerous things. The, the glowing mm-hmm. lava pit, uh, the whirling blades, the pit. Then, you know, the size of the room and so on. I'm, I'm sure you could you could do this. There's also probably a priority for um, the, how, how strongly the senses impact. Um, smell, um, sight, mm-hmm. sound, um, temperature is and 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 the feel of of uh, the air moving on your skin is another thing uh, as well. And uh, there, there, there's a whole whole range of things. Um, I'm sure this is something we, that could be trained up, but um, practice over the years has has helped, or at least has given me a de- def- definite style in doing this. But I'm, I, as I say, I'm not 100% confident, confident of my ability to do it. I, I would certainly say that putting in, uh, as we mentioned earlier, putting in things for players to engage with yeah. is, is a key part of this. I'm, if it's just an infinite featureless plane with an orc on it, there's only basically one thing you can do, especially if you don't speak orcish. <laughs> if it's if it's four orcs playing cards sitting around a table, then it's different. Hmm. This this is sounding like an awful lot of stuff. Um, have you had much experience with assistant GMs? It's never it's it's come up. Hmm. In some ways, everybody wants to be an assistant GM, especially if they know the rules better than you do. Which, for which I thank my players. It's being especially useful in my current RuneQuest game. Um, I've never said, I've hardly ever said, "Here, you run the monsters," because my monsters are, unless I'm using somebody else's written scenario, aren't that well realised that I could hand them off to somebody else. Uh, I, I think it would be fair to say here, here is who you are. Here is what you want out of this immediate situation. Yeah, I, uh, uh, here is here is a character for you to play, whilst your other character is suspended by his thumbs uh, over the precipice. We'll get back to him, I promise. Uh, must be Tuesday. And uh, on Thursday they suspend him by his toes. Don't ask what they do on Fridays. Yeah, I, I've I've done a bit of co-GMing with Peter. Uh, wasn't, it wasn't really a clearly defined set of responsibilities so much as each of us was thinking this might be fun. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I, I haven't seen mentioned but might be worth considering, especially if somebody's finding this all a bit too much, is a host. So, you know, obviously when you, when you can have the game in person. having having it, It's often seemed to me that the GM is, is also the person whose house the game is happening at. Can be, yes, often is. And if you can separate that, then that's a whole load of extra stuff off the shoulders of the GM. Honestly, I, I, I'm not providing food. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I am making sure there's fresh, there's fresh toilet paper in the bathroom and um, that's uh, an, and an adequate supply um, and, uh, that the, uh, and that the electric fan is on during the summer. But that's and the heater during the winter, but that's about my. Oh, and I will vacuum. All right, yes, I will vacuum. And 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 <laughs> you, you and mean you're, you're not providing uh, game relevant food? I, I've got a recipe. I only for vi- only for only, only once, and it has given me a certain amount of fame 
in certain circles, especially in those of techie mill. <laughs> um, but the uh, but the uh, the the thing is, I I I, uh, I don't feel that responsible to that about to, for that during the game. They're grown up people. Well, they're gamers, um, and uh, and they can probably and they can probably manage most of the time uh, without without my direct intervention. If I had a lovely wife, I would of course throw the burden of any uh, such uh, responsibilities firmly in her direction. But I don't, um, and uh, my attitude there may be part of the reason. Hmm. Uh, is there anything else we want to cover on this? I think uh, I think we've given uh, an outline and a sense of the responsibilities, and I think people can go on and argue about this and whether we've made any sense um, in, in the discussion groups. Uh, I'd, I'd like to thank not not only Bill Stoddard but the other contributors: Robert Wolf, uh, Agamegos, Sagantine, Big Jack Brass, and Sexy Gesamalian, who all all said useful things in that thread. Thank you very much, gentles. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> So, if you have your own cunning scheme for uh, dividing up the responsibilities of the GM and uh, want to tell us about all the things we forgot to mention, then you can contact us by... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And next month, see you, we will. Not running Star Wars, ever, no. <laughs> <laughs>